Hello and welcome back to Latino in Chicago. This is your host, Eric Lugo. Today we speak with Maricela Garcia, Chief Executive Officer of the Gads Hill Center, an organization that since 1898 has created opportunities for children and their families to build a better life through education, access to resources, and community engagement. Maricela came to the U.S. in the early 1980s as a result of the war in Guatemala. After her arrival, she founded Casa Guatemala to assist newly arriving refugees and later co-founded Women for Guatemala, which we got to speak about during the interview. She's also served as the executive director of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrants and Refugee Rights. She was the founding executive director of the Latino Policy Forum. And prior to her role at Gads Hill, she was the director of capacity building and juvenile justice policy at the National Council of La Raza. In this episode, we learn about Gads Hill's legacy of services to every immigrant group that has come through Chicago, including their current work in early childhood education and youth development. Maricela reflects on her career in human rights advocacy and policy, along with her transition to direct services, and how income inequality impacts the educational and social-emotional goals of Latino families across the city. As always, I hope you enjoy. Here's Maricela. Maricela, thanks for carving out some time for Latino in Chicago. It's good to see you. Thank you very much for the time you are spending with me. Absolutely. So let's start by talking about Gads Hill Center. Can you tell us about the organization and its services? Uh, yes, uh, Gads Hill Center has been in Chicago for 119 years. It was founded first to meet the needs and to help uh, the immigrants, uh, primarily from Germany, establish roots in Chicago. Since then, uh, Gads Hill Center has been a beacon of hope for every immigrant group that has come to Chicago for the past, as I said, 119 years. Mm -hmm. So after World War II, we started serving mostly Mexican families because at that point, the United States was struggling with meeting the workforce, the workforce that it needed because the American soldiers were fighting in World War II. Mm -hmm. So there was an incentive to bring Mexican workers and uh, inevitably they established roots, uh, they um, developed families and stayed in Pilsen. So how has the organization services evolved? It was a settlement house at one point? It was a yeah. settlement house uh, founded by the cohort of progressive social workers represented by Jane Adams. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were several uh, settlement houses across the city. And uh, many of them have survived and continue providing the vital services that the communities, evolving communities, uh, have required. Mm -hmm. So they, they've been nimble. All those settlement houses of most of them have been able to figure out how to continue providing linguistic and culturally appropriate uh, programs to every immigrant group that has come to the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, the focus has been always to support the family as a whole. Mm -hmm. So there's been um, programs uh, for uh, adults to acquire the language, uh, become citizens, and uh, have access to adult education classes so that they can improve their opportunities uh, once they are in this country. And uh, the other has been very strongly on helping children succeed in school. Mm -hmm. So there's been a, a very comprehensive approach to helping our families uh, uh, 
do well, understand their new roles and responsibilities in their new society, and uh, supporting them with key um, key programs. Mm -hmm. uh, there is also a strong emphasis on um, becoming citizens, so that they are integrated not only um, in a, a academically or um, economically, but also politically and civically, mm -hmm. that they really embrace this uh, new country as their own. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your journey to this work at Gads Hill? Well, I, um, I always have been interested in uh, uh, immigrant and refugee issues and um, human rights issues. I worked at the United Nations uh, doing uh, education and, um, and advocacy for in the, in the 80s due to the war in uh, Central America. And so that um, opened my eyes to the tremendous need to um, include human rights um, as a central tenet of every discussion of, uh, uh, that we have about improving society. And uh, so after I, I worked at the United Nations, I established roots in Chicago, and I started working mostly as an immigrant on immigrant issues, on immigrant rights issues. Yeah. Um, being, um, according to my own definition, I was a refugee because I left Guatemala because of the war. Mm -hmm. My uh, intention was never to leave Guatemala. I was a college student in a country that had a very small percentage of women in college. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of chances there to, to build a good life. Mm -hmm. um, so, but because of the war, I was forced to leave. And uh, as such, then, um, that immigrant experience was very close to uh, my decision to build uh, a career based on uh, immigrant rights advocacy. So I've been working mostly on policy and advocacy mm -hmm. as executive director of other organizations that were focused primarily on macro-level changes. Mm -hmm. So when I came to Gats Hill Center, that is really my first job leading a social service organization. And I thought that it was going to be a big change for me because I tend to be a macro thinker. And uh, the surprise was that the skills that you develop in administration and leadership are transferable to, to other industries. So mm -hmm. when I came here, I noticed that the, if you know how to raise funds, you know governance, uh, um, good practices, uh, you know how to hire and uh, manage uh, good staff and mm -hmm. build a good workforce yeah. and design and evaluate programs. You you can transfer those uh, skills uh, to any leadership position, and I I that's what I noticed when I came here. That mm -hmm. soon enough, I realized that I could do this job. Mm -hmm. I could lead uh, an organization that was focused on uh, providing social services. Amazing. Um, what would you say drives Gads Hill's success? I think that what um, is very powerful about Gads Hill is a commitment of a staff to see change um, as a result of what they do. Mm -hmm. It attracts very passionate people mm -hmm. to work here and mostly uh, the ones who um, stay here longer are the ones who live in the community. Uh, Latino professionals who uh, can relate to 
the experience of low-income children in first-generation um, children to succeed in school. So they can relate to, to the struggles that the family and the kids particularly uh, have in terms of uh, the barriers, sometimes language barriers, um, cultural barriers, uh, economic barriers, and be able to develop that resilience that our community has in order to overcome those obstacles and still do well in school, graduate and go to college. And that's what I feel, that the passion is here because a lot of the workers have gone through the same experience that the kids that we serve are going through. Mm -hmm. And the commitment to also uh, empathizing with the families. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that uh, they um, don't understand the struggles of working families to provide for their children and uh, ensure a better future for their children. They know that. And I think that we have so many, because of the, the history, the long history that we have, we have so many volunteers mm -hmm. and supporters uh, with very small donations, uh, with a few hours that people um, come in and, uh, and uh, donate here, uh, in-kind donations. So we, when we look at what we do, serving 4,000 children and their families with the budget that we have, it is possible because we have so many support, you know, the in-kind volunteers and in many other ways, mentors, tutors that come uh, to just help the kids without asking to be paid. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have a, we have built a caring community. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would say, the strength is on the, how much people care about the future of the children that are enrolled in our programs. Mm -hmm. And I think that also good management. I cannot take all the credit for that because yeah. I think that when I came to Gats Hill Center, uh, it was already a very strong organization. But I look at the board and I look at how um, strongly they um, provide oversight uh, for the finances of the organization, uh, making sure that there is a strategic plan in place. Uh, so I think that governance plays a critical role too. So it's the passion of the staff, is the uh, strong governance and, um, and I you say the sense of community that we have built throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Dynamic leadership too, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, Hill is primarily a youth-serving organization. How would you say the challenges youth are experiencing in Chicago shapes your work as an organization? Yes, uh, because we are immersed in the communities with some of the highest level of income inequality. Our work is very challenging because the goals that we uh, set up with the families to improve the academic and social emotional uh, skills of the children and youth, a lot of times are not achievable, not because the families don't want to see improvement, but it is because the resources are so limited mm -hmm. that um, they might, we might have uh, one of our goals might be that they will read to the children every day, you know, mm -hmm. in the middle class families that is possible, but with families that uh, cannot control their schedule because it changes constantly. 
that they have a sick child but they cannot take the day off because they don't have um, uh, that benefit mm -hmm. in the workplace. Uh, that they work three part-time jobs. Mm -hmm. So they're doing what they are expected to do. Yeah. But our goals, we have to be very patient because the goals are sometimes undermined by the reality of the family. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we struggle with the perception that society has about a poor working families that they, they, uh, they're there because they don't work hard enough or mm -hmm. because they make some poor decisions. Well, they're working. And I yeah. think that in America, we, everyone who works full-time should not live in poverty. Yeah. But we see that a lot. And in many cases, I think that, that the most difficult thing for us is to address the so many obstacles that poverty creates in the way of success for the children that we work with. Mm -hmm. and, um, and as a result of also lack of opportunities, Many uh, children are at the verge, um, youth are at the verge of making poor decisions. Mm -hmm. So that are reflected in violence, drug involvement, mm -hmm. um, and that deter the, also the, the, the full potential possibility that they could build. Mm -hmm. um, but there, so, so those environmental factors contribute to um, undermine what our goals are and make it hard to... Um, achieve what the families um, have the potential to achieve. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think Chicago can improve on to support families in those moments? I, uh, I think that one of the progress that we have made in Chicago is to increase minimum wage. Mm -hmm. I uh, think that in addition to that, we need to create as a country, I know in Chicago as a city has limitations, but I think that that is more policy um, that needs to be developed as a country um, in terms of uh, living wages mm -hmm. and uh, benefits and uh, sick days. Mm -hmm. And uh, so some, some safety nets that American workers need to have in order to, by themselves, uh, leave their families out of poverty. Yeah. And so I think that the city, um, in, the, in that regard, has made that um, a, a step in the right direction. I think that there's so much to do. I think that greater investments in, uh, in those communities that are struggling, that the southwest side of Chicago, where we have, we're working in different uh, school-based programs, we see that uh, unemployment is so high among uh, black males that how are we going to then not understand not justify, but mm -hmm. understanding that they do some illicit involvement in, in, in uh, making money through illicit means. Mm -hmm. So I don't condone it, but I do understand that if there are no jobs, what yeah. can you do, right? right? So I think that graded economic investment mm -hmm. in, into those communities would be very important for the city as a matter of policy. Mm -hmm. um, I think that investing in nonprofit organizations uh, there are some areas where there aren't that many programs available for after-school programs to yeah. keep uh, the kids not only uh, increasing their ability to succeed in the school through tutoring and mentoring, but also a safe place to be until the parents come back from work. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think that we, we um, are not providing the supports that in the past society has provided 
to uh, working families and poor families to improve their circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about your perspective on leadership. You shared uh, kind of some of the core things that you think make Gads Hill a successful organization. What do you think makes a successful leader? I think that you have to be passionate about what you do because mm -hmm. being in leadership is it's a lot of responsibility and uh, sometimes not a lot of rewards because mm -hmm. you feel that um, they, there's so much responsibility to do the, the bring the resources that the organization needs, uh, maintaining the quality uh, programs that you want to deliver, maintaining good um, staff and attract good staff. Um, and, uh, and maintaining that relationship of credibility with the community and other stakeholders. So there's a lot of responsibilities, but I, I think that you do all that and work so many long hours because you're passionate about what you do. You believe in what you're doing. Yeah. And that is the driving force also to uh, for people to follow you, be inspired by you. You know, if you don't have that passion, how can you expect that people who work in this in the organization are going to feel that? It has to come from you. Yeah. And, uh, and also, it, um, the learning, you know, never stop learning, never thinking that you know everything. Mm -hmm. Because uh, uh, life is dialectic and mm -hmm. they, things change every day. So keeping up with technology, mm -hmm. keeping up with uh, uh, trends in the industry, in the early childhood education, in the youth development field, what is out there in terms of research? What else can I learn? What is the latest information that would inform the decisions that a leader takes? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's being, being curious about what else is out there in terms of research. Yeah. Um, what technology is more available so that you can be more efficient, um, but also... Um, improve the program delivery and quality because yeah. technology is making uh, possible to be more efficient and work at a scale sometimes. Yeah. So, um, and, but and also networking. Mm -hmm. You know, you really need to make sure that the uh, people that um, are key to support the organization know about you and that you develop uh, strong relationships, not by. Um, using uh, the person but by engaging the person mm -hmm. in embracing in the, the mission in becoming part of it. Mm -hmm. So I would say that those are the, um, what I see in my case that I pay attention to, um, the, the staff, uh, the, the volunteers, they bring in the resources, uh, uh, being uh, keeping updated with technology, uh, reading the latest research um, and bringing people authentically, yeah. you know, caring about people who care about the mission of the organization so yeah. that you build a sense of community uh, along the way. Yeah. Are there uh, things you wish you knew about this work before you got started? No, I didn't know that. And I think yeah. that I was, um, I didn't have the ability to develop a cadre of mentors that helped me when I was very young. I mm -hmm. became executive director in my 20s, the first organization that, by the way, I created. Mm -hmm. So I created a nonprofit organization, and um, it was very successful. Yeah. And uh, I then went to graduate school, 
and I decided to hire a, well, I developed a board of directors and the board, um, and I decided that it was time to hire somebody. Mm -hmm. So I became part of the board and as a founding member. And uh, that was really where I learned how to do fundraising. Okay. That was, and, and develop your, your relationship with a group of leaders that care about the organization they needed. And that's why I strongly believe in a strong boards. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then uh, I think that one, once I became executive director of a very large organization, not very large, but larger organization, that was a wake-up call for me because I don't think that I had paid enough attention to finances. Yeah. You know, that's not something that inspired my day of work. Mm -hmm. and that, But I knew that it was something that I need to, to develop. And it took me a while because it takes you longer when you don't have the inclination to do well, right? <laughs> yeah. I, it was the issues for me that yeah. drove me always to make the decisions about leadership that I have taken is that I'm driven by the issues of the people that I care about. So, um, yes, I, I wish, I think that reflecting, I think that I wish I had been mature enough to develop a group of mentors mm. to be able to help me figure out uh, challenging things and just having a, a um, bouncing board. Yeah. And I didn't. So I learned in the, the hard way and that's why now I pay a lot of attention about my commitment to mentor uh, young, um, young, young people, mm -hmm. <laughs> primarily women, but mm -hmm. not only, just to make sure that they know that it's okay to ask yeah. for help and that I am really recognizing that something that was an obstacle for me um, is not necessarily an obstacle for another young person moving into leadership positions. Yeah. What was the name of that organization you founded? They founded it. was Women for Guatemala. Oh, wow. It was a solidarity organization to support the emerging women groups uh, in Guatemala during the war. Okay. So the women at that point started working uh, together to uh, mostly uh, develop economic uh, projects to survive in the war. So they focused on the ancient um, uh, craft of weaving. Mm. Mayan weaving, mm -hmm. and so that we that this organization then became uh, sort of the Tupperware style. That instead of the Tupperware items, we uh, use the beautifully woven items from women Mayan women in Guatemala that we brought here. Mm -hmm. And through that setting, with uh, women inviting friends and family in their homes, we spoke about human rights violations in Guatemala, what was happening to women. And so they made the commitment to contact their elected, uh, their members of Congress, wow. to uh, take a different position uh, on foreign policy in Guatemala, and at the same time support the the, we, the, the projects in Guatemala by through buying the items that the women made. Yeah. Yeah. So, and because at that point all that craft was new in the United States in the eighties. It was it spread like wildfire. You know, it, we, we sold so many crafts that yeah. it was sometimes hard to import them uh, for wow. all the house meetings that we had. Yeah. Um, so yes, it was a very rewarding experience. And when these uh, peace agreements were signed, uh, the board uh, we decided that it was time for the organization to uh, to close because we had um, achieved our mission yeah, yeah. of. Uh, 
walking in solidarity with the women in Guatemala until the peace agreements were signed. Wow, amazing. Wow, what a piece of history. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, what, what books or literature are informing your work here at Gadso? I read, um, I tend to read a lot of books on, on management mm -hmm. uh, and administration or leadership mm -hmm. because I, I want to always have uh, information about um, what is the what is the most recent. Mm -hmm. And I had also the privilege last year of being uh, a Chicago Community Trust Fellow that allowed me to attend critical leadership programs at Harvard and uh, Northwestern uh, Kellogg School of Management. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm so grateful for that opportunity because it just opened my eyes to a lot of different angles. And because, uh, especially Northwestern focuses more mostly on business, it was this other perspective that many of us don't have in the nonprofit uh, field because you're either a nonprofit or, or business. So this helped me really understand more um, what are the, the steps and the, and the strategies that business uh, implement in order to identify new products, improve what they do, uh, leadership decisions that are made in the, in the corporate boardrooms, and, so, and try to then apply that to the nonprofit uh, management um, um, best practices. Mm -hmm. So there's been very, uh, very not not to mention the networking that I've been able to expand through yeah. attending those. So, but um, but in addition to that, just because I'm also very curious about how to not only curious but um, very committed to improving the programs, I am trying to uh, always try to read um, some books and literature. Uh, that would help me be able to do that. So this uh, year, from the books that I read uh, in terms of um, uh, children um, development and, uh, and, and youth development, mm -hmm. I will say that the two that come to mind are critical pedagogy, mm -hmm. and that is um, it's, it's based on popular education, but it's an amazing book because... Mm -hmm. It is based on a research done in uh, inner city uh, schools and the strategies that they implemented um, in the analysis about what worked and what didn't. And the focus is really situating uh, the pedagogy and the, and the teaching in the reality of inner city kids. Mm -hmm. So meaning um, that the focus is, uh, a lot of the focus is on developing critical thinking abilities. Mm -hmm. Because without the critical thinking, how can you expect that a youth person, young person can make right decisions, right? Mm -hmm. It comes from the problem solving. Right decisions come from your ability to analyze a lot of information before you act. Mm -hmm. So that is pretty much uh, the one of the foundation of critical pedagogy. And mm -hmm. I would say that the other one is how children uh, succeed from Paul Toff. Mm -hmm. I think that Paul Toff is one of the greatest uh, um, writers uh, and researchers on, on youth development theory. And, uh, and that is one of them. I also read, um, uh, again, because I read that in college, uh, mm -hmm. how, um, what is it, whatever it takes, okay. And uh, so that is the uh, the history and the tra trajectory of um, uh, 
Jeffrey Canada creating the children's uh, the, uh, zone in Harlem. Oh, right, right, right. So I think that those three books are what come to mind this year that have been very, very helpful in understanding how to improve our programs here and um, how to take best practices. Very cool. Uh, Maricela, what would you say your vision is for Gads Hill as you think about 2016 and beyond? So my vision of, um, huh, you know, vision is something that even when you have your vision, it has to be uh, democratized, right? Mm -hmm. So the board and the staff and the stakeholders need to uh, also have that vision. But I think that for what the closest to me, of my, uh, what I want to see out of my work and the work of the organization is to end poverty. I know that is such a big ambition, but um, or mitigate poverty, I don't know if mitigate is the right verb, mm -hmm. but I think that is lifting families out of poverty, and I think that maybe that is more realistic. Mm -hmm. I see that with uh, the adequate resources and the these opportunities that um, the poor families have that they will do well because mm -hmm. every family in our program does well. Mm -hmm. Every child in our program goes to college. Mm -hmm. They all improve GPA. They improve attendance um, when they are truant. Um, um, so we have measures. Yeah. We have measures that indicate that with a little bit of support, people um, overcome uh, their obstacles. So, and to me, one of the greatest obstacles is poverty. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would like to see that, that people can lift themselves out of poverty because America uh, is a land of opportunity mm -hmm. for everyone. Yeah. How can, help, how can people help you and Gads Hill kind of work towards that? I think that um, there is always opportunity for... Uh, different roles uh, at that skill from uh, volunteering, uh, mentoring, uh, in-kind uh, services. In, they can donate. That's always um, very um, helpful when people donate at whatever level. Mm -hmm. uh, we have also, we just started a few months ago, a uh, young professional board to give opportunities to young professionals to network um, develop relationships with uh, some of our board members, but it's also the opportunity to care for others, mm -hmm. you know, that they are doing well, they became professionals, um, but at the same time that this is a meaningful place for them to do something that they care about. So there's there's many opportunities, but I think that the volunteering is key, the, the donations uh, um, of any kind is also important. And um, and I think that that is what they can do directly with us. Uh, sometimes mm -hmm. just coming in and uh, talking to our youth about uh, their journey to become engineers, for example. You mm -hmm. know, that is inspirational. It takes yeah. a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that that will be uh, some of the specific areas. But if they contact us, we have a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, well, I uh, certainly appreciate your time today, Maricela. It was a great conversation. Thank you very much for, for making the time to come and visit us. All right. That was Maricela Garcia, CEO of Gads Hill Center. I certainly appreciate you tuning in. If you're finding value from our conversations, 
I hope you'll leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. Also, check out our sponsor, YouBackForGood.com. That's letter U-B-A-C-K-F-O-R-G-O-O-D.com for more information on the November 29th Giving Tuesday event here in Chicago. We've got a great round of conversations coming up, so stay tuned. Until then, peace.